Hello, welcome to Why Not Me. In life, we face many trials and obstacles, many challenges, and in the thick of it, we can be tempted to think, why me? But every obstacle presents an opportunity and every trial can bring triumph. So I want to encourage you to adapt a mindset of, why not me? When, when in the middle of it, when things are tough, look around and think, why not me? It's, it's happening for a purpose. And then when success is at your doorstep and all you have to do is open it, you may find yourself hesitating, questioning, is this for me? Do I deserve this? And I want to encourage you to adapt a mindset of why not me? Throw the door open wide, shout to the world, why not me? Embrace your success. I'm your coach, Todd Halls. I'm grateful to have you on this journey. Welcome to Why Not Me. Hello, hello. Welcome to Why Not Me, turning trials into triumphs, seeking and embracing success. I'm your host, Coach Todd Halls. I'm grateful to be here with you. Listeners, I'm super grateful that you tuned in and I'm excited uh, to, for what our guest has to share with you today. Our guest today is Megan Duncan. Uh, Megan is a positive discipline parent educator, a parenting coach. Uh, she's a mom. She's a foster mom. She's a wife uh, and so, so much more. Uh, so I'm excited for you to get to know her, Megan. What what did I leave out that you would have our listeners know but as we get started? Uh, thank you for the introduction and thank you for inviting me here today. Um, yes, I my mission in life is to bring parent and child together. I have done this for over 16 years. Um, I have a background in speech therapy and I... I've done all kinds of different things to just enhance the communication, cooperation, and connection between parent and child. And when did you when did you recognize this as your as your calling, if that's what if that's what you'd call it? Yeah. So, um, I think children are our best mirrors for where we need to do our work and where we need to grow. And if we can be open and receptive to what they're showing us to, to look at our shadows and be willing to apologize. And that's where we get to grow in our parenting and in our own, you know, personhood. Um, we get, we just get to elevate to that next level and our children will always teach us more than we can ever teach them if we're willing to listen and um, be open and receptive. All the things that we want them to do, if we're willing to do those things, then we get to become the parents and the people that we want to be and the parents that they need us to become. So as a, as a, as a fellow parent, um, in, <laughs> there's, well, hey, I wish I, I <laughs> I wish I'd have met you uh, 16 years ago. Um, our, our son is 16. He turns uh, 17 next next week. And what you just said is this this you know, this reflection uh, because it seems and and Nina, my wife, pointed this out. The things that frustrate me the most that I see him doing are the things I probably beat myself up the most for as well. So so it is a lot of days like looking in a mirror. <laughs> when you're in the moment, how do you like what what do you tell your parents? How do they even get started on this journey? Like like I think um if we can commit to ourselves just to pause first. Pause and decide. Um I'm a brain nerd and I'm always thinking about the brain model, the um, brain in the palm of your hand and what we know about brains is um 
and behavior is when one person freaks out, the other one can be sucked into that freak out mode. So if we as the parent can be the bigger presence of calm, then we can pull our children into our calm and help them co-regulate. So if we can just pause and however we can do that, whether we can put our hand on our heart, take a few breaths and just become pause and become curious, that's our first step instead of knee-jerk reacting and being judgmental. The power of the pause. So my yes. experience has been that's that's a useful discipline to practice everywhere, whether you, you know, whether it's teammates at work or on the field or uh, or or especially at home, right? Just just having the the wherewithal to just stop, take a breath. And I like the way you put that stop, pause and decide. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So you mentioned you're a brain nerd. And I think I, I think I read something um, maybe on your Facebook page. You've got a background in, in neuroscience. Do I have that right? Um, background in speech therapy. Okay. And so with that discipline comes a lot of neuroscience. Yes. Okay. And so when did you... When did you first get into the speech therapy part of it? So, yep, that's what my undergrad, um, my undergrad degree is in speech therapy. And so I did early intervention, early childhood intervention. And what that is, by the way, everyone, everyone should know about this um, service. It's in the United States. It's nationwide. You can refer yourself if you have any, have child with speech or language concerns. You don't have to wait for a doctor to refer you. You can absolutely refer yourself. So always want to shout that um, offer out for parents who may not know. But as I would go into homes for with parents um, who had a kiddo struggling in speech and language, I would give them these tools to enhance their communication, their connection, their cooperation. And every single parent would tell me, where was this stuff when my older kids were small? Why didn't I have access to these things? I, I just... I didn't want to parent how my parents parented, but I don't know what to do. And I didn't have these tools. And actually, um, and that was the consistent story, home after home after home. And so they compelled me. They asked me, will you create something for regular parents to help us parent intentionally from our essence and not just through punishment and fear and pain and blame and shame and force? And so I did. I do have a program that helps parents um, parent from just tools that we don't know about that are somehow kept secret to the worlds of speech therapy, play therapy, um, counseling. These tools should be, they, I mean, they're available on Google, but it's, its I don't know, it's not accessible. And then it's the implementation is just a challenge sometimes. So getting a coach and getting support with that implementation is so powerful. And so you said it's available to anybody. So just backing up a little bit, like we're, 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 we're as a as a parent or a new parent. Um, and speaking of which, is it too is it too late for my for me to, to start uh, building a better relationship? I say that with a smile. My son is awesome, and we, we've got a great relationship. Uh, but um, what it's a, it's when people ask me, um, is there something I can pray for you, Todd? I always say I, I just want to be a better dad and a better husband today than I was yesterday today and tomorrow that I'm today and just a continual process. So where would somebody like me go to start? Obviously I could call you. I would I would think or maybe maybe that doesn't fit your coaching practice. Where'd I go to get started if I want to just get started on my own? Okay. So I what we don't know as parents is the 3070 rule. 
And we only have to get parenting, quote unquote, right. We have to meet our kids and do the right thing at the right time 30% of the time. That other 70%, we get to mess up. But with that, we get to repair. And in that repair process, that's where we can model taking accountability and repairing that relationship, apologizing to our kiddos. Um, And if we can do that, sitting on our butt, right? If we can say, gosh, I'm really sorry I yelled, I'm working on it. Instead of saying, I'm really sorry I yelled, but you made me mad, right? Such a shift. So 30, 70, we only got to get it right 30% of the time. And that 70% of time with all relationships, but especially with our kiddos, just stepping up, taking accountability. Hey, I, I, I messed up here and I'm working on it. That is the gold. That's the good stuff. And luckily our kiddos give us lots of opportunities to practice <laughs> every day, every day. Oh, so it's so it's, it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing. I'm just thinking back over the years. What a, what a refreshing concept, right? Because we, at least for me, well, actually not just for me, a lot of parents I've talked to, we feel a lot of pressure to try and get this thing right. And there's no, there's no, well, now as I'm talking to you, maybe there's a blueprint, but there's no owner's manual when you get these things, right? It's like, here's your child. Like, oh, now, now what do I do? And talking with friends that we've got them only, but talking with friends that have multiple uh, children, like each one's different. So everyone's a new experience with its own set of kind of rules or, or idiosyncrasies. Um, but to think that don't have to, we don't have to be right even half the time. We just have to know how to make it right when we do mess up. Did I hear that right? Yeah, just that repair. That's the gold. That's the good stuff. Our kiddos don't need us to be perfect. They need us to be present and human and just take accountability for our, our stuff because we're going to mess up for sure. Hmm. Uh, how, many, how many children do you have, Megan? I have one bio child. And I am a foster mom, so I've got kiddos in and out all of the time. Man, that is um, what a blessing for those for those children. What compelled you to become a foster mom to, for for you and your husband to become foster parents? What was it? What that look like? Um. Well. Okay. So we. I got pregnant in college. So that was fun. Um, with my husband, we'd already been married for seven years and we kind of did things backwards. We got married and then we went to school. Um, anyways, got pregnant in college. So didn't get to go to grad school, but all things turned out perfectly. And it was a 30 hour labor at home. I did it all at home. And so (laughs) I told him you go get fixed immediately. This will never happen again. (laughs) And so he definitely did. And then our daughter turned four and she's like, Hey, I want a sibling. And we're like, Oh, okay. So then we decided, okay, let's, let's adopt a little one. We have, yeah, let's just do it. And so we took, we took our first parenting class, which literally changed our lives. Um, Mm. I don't think we would have done that initially spontaneously had we not started that journey but it put us in a honeymoon phase like like nothing else could it just got us on the same page you know talking to someone who knew more than us about behavior child development and motivation and reflection and all these things and yes it put us in a honeymoon phase that we're still in today it just took out so much of the guesswork um 
So we, yeah, we started fostering and we got our little guy and we had him for one year, one month and one day. (laughs) And the case turned and he went back to bio family. And we grew so much during that process that we ha- we built a relationship with his bio family, even though our hearts were shredded. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah, it was the hardest thing. But you don't do it because it's fun. You do it. You put your sh- you put your heart in the shredder every time on purpose. Yeah. And that's the agreement you make for these little ones. Um. Anyways, we have we still get him a lot. He's he's our guy still, and so we get to be his parents or letting us be his parents too. And so it's a really beautiful, it's unfolded really beautifully and perfectly. But now we do respite care. So now we give breaks to foster families and bio families who have got their children back and need a little bit of a break. So they come to us. We get to spoil these kids rotten. Um, We get to do that. Yeah, we just get to love on them. Make sure that they know they're valuable. They're significant. They matter. Um, their mistakes don't define them. Um, so that's what we do now. And it's it's amazing. And I encourage everyone to take one little degree of training. And I don't mean like college degree. It's just a couple hours of training to become respite providers. And really, we have, we're in a fostering crisis. And foster parents are becoming burnt out. Bio families need a break. And so these kids need love. They need spoiled. And um, so anyway, there's my, there's my soapbox there. So thank you for letting me share that. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you for sharing it. It's such a, it's such an amazing gift to, well, to everybody involved, I'm sure. Um, to, to for, certainly for the kids, but also for the, for the parents that are like, um, I, I think most of us parents have been there at some point, like you get your head is on end. Like I just need a break. Give me, give me a day or two. Uh, so, what a, what a what a tremendous gift that you give. That's awesome. Thank you. What um, have you considered, or are you considering long term um, foster care again, or? Um, you know. We'll just have to kind of follow the path, and if it, if something um, if something comes up and it feels right, we will commit to a child again and let that process unfold um, in and of itself and see how that goes. Yes, it's mm-hmm. definitely not off the table to follow through with that adoption process, um, but for now, it just feels right to serve these kiddos and spoil them rotten weekends at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Uh, they need breaks too from the mundane. Being a foster kid is so hard. And um, one, if I can just share one amazing thing that we do, or that I have come to experience when I had my preschool with all the kiddos that I've served, is cooking with them. Um, it is the number one tool that I use to start to gain trust, help them know that we make mistakes too, help them realize they're no mistake defines us, um, whether they drop the egg on the floor or rip that bag of chocolate chips too harshly and it, you know, explodes. I get to come in and model, oh, cool, that happens. How can I help clean this up? Should I grab a broom? 
so I can model stepping in and just helping them clean it up. And the other amazing thing is the kitchen for these kiddos has been the forbidden place so much of the time. They're never trusted to go in there. And so when I invite them in, it just helps them really take off their cloak of that their mistakes define them. Hmm. What I, so I shared something on Facebook, I don't know, a while back, kind of along those, those lines. And it's this, you know, as, as adults, it seems we have this fear of failure, this, this fear of making mistakes. Um, um, and, and I, I have to just kind of think about when we're, you know, when we're learning to walk, for instance, or at least when, or when our kids are, they fall down and we, we tended not to make a big deal of it. We encouraged it like, Oh, that was a good fall, buddy. Get up, try again. Right. And so encouraging just this repeated mistake making, um, because that's how, that's how we learn to walk. Right. And then some, at somewhere we, along the line, we've changed and like, Oh, don't, you know, to your point, Oh, you spilled the chocolate chips. Why'd you rip the bag so hard? You know, and, and it becomes this, you shouldn't do that. Why did you do that? Um, so how can we change that? Um, just kind of across the boards. How do how do we how do we continue to encourage um, this boldness and willingness to to fall down and get back up? I think um, with this work of committing to pausing, committing to deciding, you commit to look at oopsies as opportunities to grow, connect, and teach and learn with your kiddo. So that's. That's actually my motto is, you know, let us become curious and turn oopsies into opportunities to grow, connect and learn and teach our kiddo. Oopsies into opportunities. I'm going to be using, I'm going to be using that line widely. Thank you. If it's okay with you. Absolutely. Everyone steal it. It's amazing. (laughs) Um, I have a fun little one for cooking too. Want to hear it? Please. Because cooking with our kids can be, first of all, a very triggering event if we had trauma, if our parents didn't respond well for, to us being in the kitchen. We have, you know, that can come out in our presence with our kiddos in the kitchen. And then we also have all these expectations of perfection. The, the dish needs to look a certain way. And then we just have expectations that the kiddo needs to help us clean up. And all these things can really turn this beautiful opportunity into something negative. And so the acronym that I have come up with is you've got to have a poopy mindset. <laughs> and I came up with that. I called it poopy mindset um, very intentionally because it should bring us, it should be bringing a smile or some sort of head tilt to all of us. As I said that, and that's the place we want to go, that playfulness, that curiosity spot. Um, when we are in playfulness, then we are out of fear. Our brains cannot be in those two places at the same time. So what is P-O-O-P-Y? What does that stand for? The first P is patient. We have to decide that we're in a patient space. That's got to be the first place that we go to if we're going to invite our kiddos into the kitchen with us. The The two O's, here we go, oopsies into opportunities. We have to just look forward to the egg dropped, the flour being poofed over the bowl, the chocolate chip bag being ripped. Um, 
these things, you know, the plate breaking on the floor, these things happen. And when we can stay regulated, when we can look at those as those oopsies as opportunities, then we get to really teach and model all the behaviors that we want our kiddos to embrace. Mm-hmm. Um, accountability, just cleaning it up, initiation, um, not quitting, you know, all of that. And then that last P is playful. If we can be a little bit playful. Um, and then if it's a yes, that why to all of that, then it's a great time to invite your kiddos into the kitchen and really keep it about communicating, connecting and cooperating and not about the food. <laughs> I love that. Uh, poop, <laughs> the poopy mindset, patient, oopsies and the opportunities, playful. And yes, let's go in the kitchen together. <laughs> um, yeah. The other thing I'd love to share is we, as parents, we, don't realize we can just invite our kiddos for one minute to do one little thing. Hey buddy, come in. Will you cut the cheese? Okay. Maybe they shouldn't use that example, but will <laughs> you, will you come and um, break this broccoli and put it in the bowl? And then, you, and then, you know, then you can go play with Legos if you want to. We can just invite them to do one little thing. If it's going to feel too big and invite them back out. And we're starting to build this rapport with them, this trust, this camaraderie with them. We don't have to, make them stay in there with us. And same with cleanup, ask them to do one thing, let them go and build from there. We've all been taught as children that cleanup is awful. And so <laughs> we want to re- we want to reframe this time in the kitchen together with our kiddos, build over time, putting one plate away in the dish, in this dishwasher or whatever, then two, and you're just building skills over time. You're thinking about your ultimate goal and that is communication, cooperation, and connection, not cleanup. Communication, cooperation, connection. Yes, those three C's. And not clean up. <laughs> and not clean up, which is kind of a <laughs> kind of a different different way of thinking about it. It, it is, and I'm, I'm laughing over here because I think of all the battles we've had <laughs> over the years over clean up. <laughs> Get back in here and finish mm-hmm. cleaning up instead of just saying. Uh, thanks for the thanks for getting that one thing. I got it. That's so awesome. Like I said, Megan, I wish we should have been having this conversation 16 years ago. <laughs> well, um, I mean, thank you. And yes, we. Sh- I should have too. It was myself, and I didn't even know this until I went into this work with my preschool, in-home preschool, six kiddos, um, three and four years old, and then foster kiddos and bio kiddos and. When with so many kiddos, mm-hmm. we learn what our priorities are and how to keep cooperation, connection, communication. So, so awesome. Yeah. Thanks. You mentioned um, baby signing. Did I have that right? Mm-hmm. How's that different than signing? Tell me. I don't know that I've personally I've heard the term baby signing before. Okay, so. I use this a lot in early intervention, and I also use this with my, well, my foster kids and my bio kids. So baby sign is, for my purposes, it's a very, it's a simplified form of American Sign Language. So, you know, we want to make sure that we're honoring American Sign Language as its own absolute full encompassing language. Mm -hmm. And then 
baby sign is we're taking a lot of those signs and simplifying them, just as babies do with English words. And um, using our hands to communicate, we can much earlier, we can communicate much more effectively, way, way earlier than using speech. There's about 30 muscles that we need to coordinate, those bigger muscles in our fingers and hands and arms. Um, and babies have access to that much sooner than the articulating the hundred muscles in our mouth. Hmm. So my daughter was able to tell me lion, her favorite book at six months old. Wow. And yes. And so when kiddos have trouble or even if they don't, um, with speech and language and that early communication, we can give them access to a manual communication to help them communicate what they want much, much earlier. It's just so fun. Yes. And and it has to just save. Um, well, it's fun. I imagine it, it creates um, just a, a deeper connection. I, I would mm-hmm. think um, eliminates, it would have to eliminate a lot of frustration on both ends. Absolutely. Yes. Hmm. Cause the kiddo can, they can tell you when they're scared. If you're working on emotions through sign, they can tell you if they're hungry. They can tell you if they want milk or juice way before their mouths can articulate these things. Um, fun little note in college, I had to write a paper on how to say my name. And it was a 30 page paper on how to say my name, Megan. So Speech and language is so complex. We don't even know how complex it is. We take it for granted when it goes so smoothly. And when there's glitches and errors, that only makes sense because it's so complex. And so anyways, just embracing sign as a way to um, develop that early communication, giving kiddos access to a manual communication um, is so fun and so beneficial. And to bust the myth, it does not delay speech. If there's no organic issues going on, um, manual communication does not delay speech. I would think, and just my internal reaction as you said that, I was like, huh, I would think it would almost accelerate it, but I'm not sure why that was my, why I made that connection, but just thinking about, well, if they can communicate, it would just seem to me like the words would then come sooner and easier somehow, but I'm not sure why. Yeah, because we're using multiple modalities to communicate one thing. Um, mm-hmm. My foster son, he his favorite sign that I can recall um, right now was responsible. And it's two R's on your shoulder. And it helped him with the silk because he had a speech delay himself. He came to us at three. And he he's like, I'm being responsible, you know, and he would put two R's on his shoulder. And even though he couldn't, it it just helped him fully embody the behavior he was so proud of and he was able to communicate that to me it was just so fun that's amazing so if, yeah. if i want to start to learn baby sign where or any of our listeners um where would you where would is there is there an app is there something on on youtube is there a class how do, how do we how do we start to learn some of these skills um so if yeah, if parents are yes, there are so many. Um, There's so many oper- um, opportunities available to learn baby sign. There's books. There's there's all kinds of things. I I like the way I teach it because I come 
add it with a speech and language component um, to enhance speech and language. So if if you really just want to use baby sign as a um, bounce board to helping your you and your child learn American Sign Language, that's amazing. I actually recommend you hire or look into resources developed by um, someone who is deaf or hard of hearing themselves and really get that information for, from someone who has been there and you know can give that to you in a really authentic way. Mm-hmm. Um, if your kiddo is struggling with speech and language, I recommend you reach out to me and I can help you look at sign, look what signs are most important, which ones are not, um, and really help you help your kiddo develop their speech and language through sign. Awesome. 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 And that's interesting you say that because of course there are, you don't need to know it all. There's probably some very key Mm -hmm. things that almost universally apply, like get these, I don't know, however many there are, six or 10 or 12, like just learn this to get started. Yeah. Very cool. Um, even today, I, I'll use the sign, excuse me, or a, a secret thank you. If I'm reminding one of my children to say, excuse me, or thank you to someone. That way I'm not saying, hey, you forgot to say thank you. You need to say thank you to this person. I can just very discreetly give a little cue and then they get to take ownership and be like, oh, thank you. It's, yeah, it's, I it gives me an opportunity to have their back without, um, being their boss, have their back without being their boss. There we right. go. Without embarrassing them, without calling attention to it. Just, just, just simply, mm-hmm. Hey buddy, don't forget. That's awesome. And they do it with each other too. So they support each other in this very code cued way um, to remind each other what to do. And it keeps them out of boss, bossing each other um, and supporting each other. Yeah. Wow. Powerful. That's so awesome. Thanks. So what is positive discipline parent education? Okay. I love that you um, asked that question. So let me just, I'm going to back up and start with a story. I was getting my oil changed and I had my, it was just after I got certified in positive discipline. I had my book and I was studying it. And right on the cover, it said positive discipline, um, teaching parents or something like that. And a gentleman in the couch across from me, his oil was being changed also. Um, he's like, do parents really need teaching? And then we just had this beautiful conversation of, yes, it's the most, it's the most important job in the world. And it's the one that we are least equipped for. Um, it's the one that we're trained least for. Now there's a parenting, there's a great amount of intuition that is so necessary and no one can ever teach us that. That just comes with our own essence. But, or, and if we want to be intentional and really, we only really know what our parents taught us until we learn new things and our kids will help us learn new things for sure. Um, And there's so many tools out there from the world of speech therapy, play therapy, counseling that we just don't know about. And once we know those tools, then we just don't have to, we don't have to have the breakdowns in communication um, that happens from making all the mistakes. We don't have to make as many mistakes. Um, And so positive discipline, I 
it is really, it's not permissive parenting, but it's also not punitive parenting. It's in the middle. It's using tools that are respectful, kind, and firm. Um, in, inviting our kiddos' voice, holding our boundaries. I, I just can't say enough amazing things about positive discipline. I also wish I would have got that certification much earlier. Yeah, what, what comes to mind um, as well, a friend of mine, and I think I've shared this on the, the, the show before, but a friend of mine was talking about raising kids and his kids were adults. And he's talking, this related specifically to faith and, and, and the Bible and how he was, as a father, he was great at sharing the truth and how things are and should be like, and, and he was, um, being a bit, being hard on himself, like in, in reflection, like I, I brought the truth and I brought it hard. Um, he's like, but what I learned, he's like, what, what I finally learned, he goes after they were grown, uh, and thinking of the Bible, like the truth never comes without grace. Uh, it's in fact, when you think about it, most of the time you talk about grace and truth, like, like together. And so as you talked about this positive discipline, it's the grace component. And you mentioned firm, right? So we don't, we don't, it's not permissive, but it's, it's allowing, it's holding space for them. Yeah. Do I have that right? Is that a, it's a, it's a long way of saying, do I, am I understanding this? <laughs> yeah, it is holding space for you and for them. And it's coming into this understanding that we don't have to fix our kiddos. We don't have to fix their feelings. Mm. We can tell them no to the candy bar. We can kindly and firmly and let them have their feelings about it and move on. Um, and there's so many amazing things we can do with that. Um, we can get their brains moving forward by offering a choice. Um, there's there's a lot of tools that we can employ just to help the kiddo come out of that frustration so much sooner. But that grace piece, just letting our kiddos have their feelings. They don't. We don't have to fix their feelings. That's not our job. Our job is to do whatever we can to remain calm in our essence so that we can help them co-regulate. That is our ultimate job. And we are so triggered by the easiest little thing. And so that's our invitation to wonder why and get support, um, get support around that. Why am I so triggered by this? Why can't I stay calm as the adult in the relationship? You know, we often expect our kiddos to have these behaviors that we as adults don't even embrace and can't embody so much of the time. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't do what I, what I did. Don't do what I'm still doing. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned, um, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was, yeah, we tend to yell at them for yelling. We hit them for hitting. It's because we don't know what else to do, but the tools are out there. They really, really are. And thank you for that. And I get the sense that you have a lot of them in your toolbox. Well, not the sense. I know from talking to you, you've got a lot of them in your toolbox. So we don't, as parents, uh, parents listening or friends of parents, you don't need to look far to find these tools. Actually, the, the source is right here. Megan can help with a lot of this stuff. So Megan, for, for our listeners that would like to contact you, would like to learn more about what you're doing um, and how they can yeah, connect with you. What's the best place to reach you? Find out more about what you're doing. 
Of course. So I have an online parenting community called Connected Kids Thrive. So you can find me at connectedkidsthrive.com. Um, I'm definitely active on Facebook, giving lots of tools and strategies and helping parents just take it, take their parenting and their relationship to the next level. Um, and it, my business is called Connected Kids Thrive there too. And then my Facebook community of parents really practicing this respectful, invested parenting is um, Connected Kids Thrive Community. And so, yes, would love to invite you there if you're interested in more tools. And what I want to share is what whatever you, you're doing right now is enough. It is. You are a good enough parent right now. Um, and if you want to take it to the next level, if you're just if you're if you want more tools in your toolbox, come on over and come on over and get some because they're there. Awesome. Thank you, Megan. Before, uh, well, I, I really, really, really appreciate your time and, and your knowledge and wisdom. What a gift uh, to, to, to me, to our listeners, and to everybody you're, you interact with. Um, super, super grateful for what you're doing in the world, um, both professionally and personally with the, with the foster care. You, you and your husband are just amazing. So thank you for all of that and for being here. Before we go, what... My final thing is, what's one important or impactful question that you would leave with our listeners? What should what should we all be thinking about asking ourselves? Hmm. I think, yes. So our culture is such that it is weak to ask for help. So wherever you are in your journey, whatever you are struggling with, get support. It is not selfish to get support. It's the most selfless thing you can do. If you're a mom and you need house cleaning support, get it. If you need cooking support, get it. If you need parenting support, get it. If you need marriage support, get it. Um, there's so many people that have studied these things and are one, you know, a couple steps ahead of you that can help you avoid the pitfalls. And it's not weak. It's, it's not weak to get support, even though our the messaging in our culture right now, and that's changing, thank goodness, but it's still such that you should have it figured out already and you're weak for getting support. And that's just not true. Okay. Thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. And thanks for being thank here. I, I greatly appreciate it. This has been amazing. I've had a blast. So I appreciate the invitation. Thank you, Todd. Yes, of course. Listeners, as always, thank you. Your, your time is precious. And so I consider it a gift that you, that you tuned in and listened. Thank you so much for being here. Whatever grand vision you've been given, whatever dream God has put on your heart, remember you can. Until next time, be bold, be humble, stay healthy, stay hopeful, and live life strong. Peace to you. Well, thank you so much for listening. For even more on turning trials into triumphs and seeking and embracing success, go to toddhalls.life. That's toddhalls.life. And I look forward to serving you. Until next time, be strong, be bold, be humble, stay healthy, stay hopeful. Peace to you. <laughs>